Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Krause explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts in their fields who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds. Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds. It's that time of year again when our soon-to-be graduates of residency and fellowship programs are going to be out buying disability policies in bulk. I've brought back one of our very good friends to the show, Larry Keller of Physician Financial Services. And he's not only going to tell us about some of the changes in the industry that they've seen over the last month or two, but also give us some really important tips on how not to get declined for insurance before you get your disability policy, because that can really haunt you forever, really. So welcome back to the show, Larry. Hi, Tammy. I am so glad to be here. It's great to see you again. You too. So I guess, do you want to start with some of the changes in the industry that you've seen lately? Yeah, let's just go down. I mean, it's amazing. You know, there was a period of time in the disability insurance industry. I'll date myself, you know, back from July of 2001 until literally May of 2006. The industry was stagnant. Nothing really changed. You know, we went in, we did what we did. You didn't really have to worry about anything going on. And Really, since that time, the industry has changed a lot, you know, some good, some not so good. I think what we'll do is rather than talk about what to look for in a policy, but we can end with that and give a highlight as to what each of these things are. Let's almost go company by company and talk about what's been going on. And if I was in the marketplace today, either looking to buy a policy, maybe review what it is I have or potentially look to add coverage, you know, what really should I need to know currently? Probably the biggest thing that I've seen is Berkshire Life, which is a guardian company. And we talked a lot about this on the last episode we did together is guaranteed standard issue plans or GSI plans. Acronyms are not just for medicine and the military. You know, we tend to love them in the insurance side of things as well. So these GSI plans are really, for the most part, the same as the medically underwritten policy that someone would look to purchase. This is where we answer medical questions. Behind the scenes, the underwriter will do a prescription drug check. We can always go ahead and request a copy of medical records and have them reviewed. And based upon what we find, the person might be insurable, The person might be insurable with modifications to their policy. That could be anything from a rating where we're charging extra money. It could be an exclusion rider where we're saying we'll cover you for certain things, but we're not going to cover you for other things like certain medical conditions or body parts or hazardous activities. And we just don't necessarily know what the outcome is going to be until the application is completed, the medical records are reviewed, and the prescription drug check is reviewed. So this is really a shortcut to get disability insurance in a very rapid manner. It ignores the traditional medical underwriting altogether. There's no prescription drug check. We're not asking about hazardous activities 
We're not asking somebody's height and weight or BMI is not taken into consideration at all. And traditionally, you know, Berkshire or Guardian, you know, really did not have a lot of these out there. And over the last year, the number has increased from, you know, maybe three to five GSI plans to in excess of 30 GSI plans at different institutions kind of strewn throughout the country. So a couple of them, I'll give you some of the bigger ones, are the Mayo Clinic, all the locations, whether it's Florida, Arizona, Minnesota, University of Iowa, University of Kentucky, Medical College of Wisconsin, Washington University in St. Louis, Mount Sinai Hospital, both you know New York and Florida, and really just a large number of others. And Guardian is kind of unique. So let's go back to what you said about if I am declined for coverage. Well, if you believe that your medical record is not perfect and there could be something in there that might compromise your ability to either get disability insurance at all or to be able to purchase disability insurance the way you would want to have it purchased, the worst thing that can happen is you apply medically and you are declined. Once you are declined, for the most part, even if there is a guaranteed standard issue plan available at your hospital, you will now be ineligible to apply for that. Now, Guardian has a couple of very unique rules specific to their GSI plans. So the first one is, let's say that you were working at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Prior to doing your residency, you happen to be a medical student. And I'll make it up, doesn't really matter. You happen to be a medical student at the University of Iowa. You've matched, you have your matched letter, you know you're going to graduate, you know what your next step is. You're like, hey, I really need to protect myself. I'm probably gonna be super busy once I get to my residency. Let me buy my disability insurance now. And you apply as a graduating medical student knowing you're going to be doing your residency at the Medical College of Wisconsin. And for whatever reason, you are issued either a modified policy with an exclusion rider or you are declined. Now, typically, the decline will make you ineligible for a GSI plan. And a modification specifically for Guardian will generally also make you ineligible. First rule that Guardian has, which is really like throwing out the life preserver, is going to be based on your hire date. So if your hire date was, let's say, July 1st at the Medical College of Wisconsin, and it came to being that you were issued a modified policy or you were declined prior to that date, in this case, you were not even there yet, it's kind of like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And we are not going to count that modification or decline against you. So the first thing that we need to know specifically for Berkshire or Guardian is if you were issued a modified policy or decline prior to your hire date, you still are eligible for the GSI plan, not only from the time you get to Medical College of Wisconsin, but for as long as you are there and potentially up to 90 days after you complete your residency 
or fellowship should you do a fellowship at the same institution. So very, very important. The second one also ties to the higher date. So let's say you didn't buy disability insurance as a medical student. You applied when you were working at the Medical College of Wisconsin, and your higher date was the same thing, right? July 1st. And unfortunately, you applied for coverage with a company other than Guardian, and you were issued a modified policy or you were declined. If it happens to be that the modification or decline takes place within the first nine months of your hire date, even though you would normally be ineligible, because this took place within the first nine months, so up until March 31st of the following year, again, you are still eligible for the GSI plan at any time during your residency or up to 90 days after, including a fellowship if you stay at the Medical College of Wisconsin for a fellowship. Now, if you're like me, Tammy, you probably say, well, statistically, what does that nine months mean? Like, why would Guardian make this available? And that is the very question that I had. And I reached out to the person that is in charge. He's the actuary in charge of these GSI plans. And he laughed and he said, there is no statistical significance to the <laughs> And I said, okay, that's great. Would you mind filling me in? And he said, well, Larry, look, if someone was declined or modified early at their hire date for the institution, they didn't know that there was going to be a GSI plan available to them. We don't want to penalize someone for trying to do the right thing and get themselves insured early on. We're giving you as the agent, we're giving them nine months as the individual to meet up with each other. And we think that that's enough time to allow you to do your job and to allow that potential client to find out that the GSI plan exists. So that's a pretty good one. Also, Guardian is very good to their own. So in the event someone applied to Guardian and they were issued a modified policy, or they were declined, they will always take their own modifications or declines. So at that point, they can buy the GSI plan again up to 90 days after they complete their residency or even 90 days after they complete their fellowship. If they're staying at Medical College of Wisconsin, for example, they can replace their existing policy. So let's say that they had an exclusion rider and they don't like the fact that they've got an exclusion rider. Or they might say, I'm okay with the exclusion rider, but if I could supplement it with another policy that's not going to have an exclusion rider, that would be great. It allows me to get to a higher level of coverage than typically one policy would allow them to get to. So a couple of parameters for Guardian is if you're not a graduating resident or you're not a fellow, you can actually buy $5,000 a month. That's how much the insurance company would pay to you, not what you would pay to the insurance company. <laughs> it can have an increase option to get up to $15,000 a month. So regardless of health, as income continues to rise, uh, there are no medical questions. Uh, we will ask about foreign travel. We will ask about hazardous activities, but we will not take any adverse action is the technical term for participating in hazardous activities like scuba diving, rock climbing, skydiving, hang gliding. 
Uh, we don't ask about build. So let's just say your BMI is not ideal for the insurance company's chart. Have no fear. We don't even ask about that. And there's going to be a discount. So it's the same plan that you would buy on your own individually. We do have some prepackaged parameters. You know, it has a 24-month limitation for claims related to mental and nervous conditions like anxiety, depression, stress, chemical dependency, drug addiction. Uh, what is in my mind is the really bad stuff, which is probably what's in your mind as a physician. Dementia as a result of a stroke, trauma, head injury, viral infection, MS, Parkinson's. I can no longer do my job because of a physical condition and now I'm depressed. That limitation is not going to be applied. So a GSI plan can really be fantastic for someone that doesn't qualify for insurance under normal purposes or normal guidelines at all due to medical history. Let's just say something like type 1 diabetes. Or it could be not only do they have a medical history, but they also participate in hazardous activities and their BMI is also less than ideal. That's kind of like, you know, hitting the three lemons at the slot machine. All of them are fine for GSI purposes. Does that make sense? It does. One quick question. If you had someone who maybe had gone out and become an attending, so insurance is more expensive when you've been an attending for longer, right? Yes. Mixed. Okay. It's not that it's more expensive because they're an attending per se. They're just older. And the odds of finding discounts and the largest discounts are typically tied towards a residency or fellowship program or shortly after they graduate, 90 days to 180 days after they finish their training. If they apply in that window, very often they're going to qualify for the same discounts. So what if that same person, maybe they've been in attending for 10 years, they go back and do a fellowship. Do they then qualify for the GSI program through that institution at the lower rate? Believe it or not, that is correct. They do. So I've had some people, it's very common where someone will finish, let's say, internal medicine. Mm -hmm. They'll work as a hospitalist for a year or two. Then they'll go back and they'll do their subspecialty training. They are once again considered to be a fellow. And if they are in an institution where there is a GSI plan, that oyster is now open available to them. Nice. Now, what you'll also find is, of course, Guardian is not the only company that has GSI plans. In fact, you know, one might say that they sat back and they waited before they were launching their GSI plans. One of the first ones that kind of jumped into the pool for GSI plans was Standard Insurance Company. And Standard Insurance Company is great. They probably have, I don't know, 30 to 40 GSI plans scattered throughout the country. Very similar to the Guardian plan in the fact that it's the same type of individual policy that you would normally apply for medically. Unlike Guardian, which is very unique in the fact that they do not have a pre-existing condition limitation. So let's say we had an individual, they were a type 1 diabetic. Obviously, they're going to be taking insulin. They buy their Guardian GSI plan. Six months later, they are totally disabled as a result of a diabetic complication. Guardian is actually going to pay that claim because we do not have a pre-existing condition limitation. Standard Insurance Company, as well as Emeritus that we'll talk about, they do have what's called a 312 pre-existing condition limitation. And what this means is, Tammy, if you took a prescription medication, if you saw a physician, 
If you were experiencing symptoms that a reasonable human being would have seen a physician for, and you become disabled within the first 12 months of owning that GSI policy from a pre-existing condition, we are not going to pay that claim. That's our protection if we're standard insurance company. That's our protection if we're emeritus. They both work the same way. So the three is prior to your policy start date, in that three-month window, did you see a physician take a prescription medication, have a symptom that would have caused someone to see a physician, and then you're disabled within 12 months, that's the 12 portion, if it's a result of a pre-existing condition, we're not going to pay that. After owning the policy for 12 months, even pre-existing conditions are fully covered. Okay. So short term, you can almost think of it like a self-destructing pre-existing condition limitation. Now, one thing that's kind of nice about standards GSI plans is the majority of them, in fact, all but two of them, have what's known as gender neutral or unisex rates. And unisex rates will reduce the cost for a female physician somewhere between 40 and 50% on average. Oh my goodness. It's a tremendous savings. And once they buy it, the discount is permanent, the rate structure is permanent. So any increases that they make are still going to retain the unisex rate and discount. There's two plans that Standard has that do not have unisex rates. One of them happens to be Duke University. The other one happens to be Vanderbilt University. So where there is no medical underwriting and they are discounted, they're just not unisex rated like the other plans are. Now, Emeritus, another insurance company, they also have a significant amount of GSI plans. They probably have just over 50 again, at various institutions spread throughout the country. They are right in the process of so talking about changes. They are right in the process of converting their GSI plans that exist currently to gender distinct away from gender neutral. So what does that mean? That means it's a really good deal for the males. It's really nothing like what the females have been used to seeing. And the industry as a whole has been going like this for years. In fact, I have some female clients where I'm showing them quotes. They're not GSI plans. And they're like, Larry, why is it that you don't like me? And I'm like, did I mention that? I don't, I don't understand where you're coming from. <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, you've done stuff with a bunch of my friends and they're paying about half of what it is that you're showing me. I got to assume that there's a reason that my rates are very different. And I'm like, yes, you are correct that your rates are very different. It has nothing to do whether I like you or I don't like you, but don't shoot the messenger. Insurance companies are saying, how can we discount something by 40 to 50%? We know that females go out on claims at a much higher rate due to pregnancy and complications of pregnancy, due to a higher rate of autoimmune disorders, and due to a higher rate of mental or nervous conditions, we just can't do this. Long-term, everything reverts back to the mean. So we now need to follow what the other companies have done or maybe even what we have already done on the fully underwritten and go to gender distinct rates. So this is going to happen in the majority of states. The dates can change, but currently it's May 5th. Happy Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> 
If you apply prior to that at a hospital where Emeritus has a GSI plan, you can take advantage of the unisex rates. If you've been sleeping listening to this podcast, this is where you want to wake up if you're a female physician. These are the states that are not changing currently. So these are what's known as the non-compact states, California, Florida, Montana, North Dakota, New York, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Wyoming. So for example, I've got access to several GSI plans in New York, you know, Albany Medical Center, NYU Langone Health, Mount Sinai Hospital, Westchester Medical Center. Those are not changing anytime soon. So if I was a female physician, even if I'm perfectly healthy, unisex rates are available via the GSI program. And if the limits are not high enough, the emeritus plans are unique that you can purchase a supplemental fully underwritten plan with the same unisex rate and the same 20% discount. And very often, if someone's healthy, but they're not necessarily loving the fact that they're going to get an exclusion rider, but they like to get to a higher limit than let's say 10,000 a month or 15,000 a month, that's usually what we find on the GSI limits, is maybe they'll combine it with another company using the same insurance company, or maybe they'll combine it with another insurance company using a different insurance company to allow for a higher total level of coverage than one would allow on their own. So that's where you get a little bit of the out-of-the-box type thinking. Is there a limit to stacking those policies? Not so much. I mean, the biggest limit that you'll find is currently, no matter how much income you earn, let's say post-residency, on your own, any individual company says the most we're going to go up to is 20000 or 30000 a month. When you stack the companies, they say, okay, well, now we'll potentially go up to 30000 individual coverage if you happen to be in a situation where you also have group insurance that's either employer-provided or employer-sponsored. All in, we're going to cap at $35,000 a month. Okay. So- yeah, there, there is a limit, but as long as you keep telling the new company what it is you already have and they approve it, you know you're okay for that level of coverage. And unlike health insurance where it's, hey, who's the primary company? Who's the secondary company? Who's going to pay first? We don't really work like that. We say we've already done our financial underwriting where our plans are mutually exclusive in terms of how they pay, and they all are going to be paid based on the merit of their own definitions, and you meeting them, let's say, medically, financially, we've already done that work ahead of time. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So disability insurance, the one thing I love about it is it's very logical. You know, unlike financial planning where you're, well, what kind of rate of return are we expecting? What do we expect inflation to look like? What kind of increase in your pay do you think you're going to see? And we're going to try to come up with all of these numbers to create a financial plan that can easily change. Here, it's very logical. It's almost like being you know, Spock on Star Trek. Yeah, it's very logical. Now we're going to look at another company, which is Ohio National. Okay. And what's, in, what's interesting with them is they had been in and out of the disability insurance business you know, several times over the last 20 or 30 years. So the Big change that we saw here is earlier in the year, they announced that as of March, they were no longer going to be offering guaranteed standard issue coverage at institutions in which they had a plan. 
And they said, once we hit this date, we're no longer going to be accepting any more applications, and we're certainly not going to be taking on any new insureds. Shortly thereafter, there was another announcement that says, as of May 1st, they are no longer going to be issuing disability insurance policies, period. Wow. Yeah. So they're discontinuing discontinuing the sale of individual disability products as of May 1st, 2023. Of course, anything contractually guaranteed, like using an increase option to buy more coverage, that's going to remain as if the company was still issuing policies. That's still going to be honored. So if you have an Ohio national policy, you know, this is not any reason that you should be hitting the panic button. They're just not issuing new policies, but they're going to service and they're going to allow changes that are contractually guaranteed on their existing policies. So if you don't hear Ohio National being mentioned anymore, that's solely because they're not issuing new policies. Okay. Uh, Then we've got Mass Mutual. So again, nothing new here. You know, Mass Mutual got out of the unisex rate business for the most part in 2019 and 2020. But when they did that, they grandfathered in a lot of mass mutual career agents. So this means that these people are really, they work for mass mutual, their home base is mass mutual. They can sell other companies as well, but for the most part, you know, they really have a home base at mass mutual. So there were a lot of exclusive discount plans established at hospitals. You know, you can almost think of it as this agent owned the GSI plan, or they were an endorsed agent for the discount, the same way you have an endorsed agent for these different GSI plans at different hospitals. And these discounts could be anywhere from 25% or 35% with unisex rates. It was only available to that specific agent. So someone like me, if someone came to me and I knew that they were in a hospital that had one of these exclusive discounts, great example might be Johns Hopkins or University of Maryland. I would have to say there's a great deal here. It's probably what you should purchase. I can't do it for you. I can answer your questions, but I'm going to refer you to the endorsed agent and they could start the application process for you. Well, as of April 1st, there are no longer unisex rates available for fully underwritten mass mutual plans. Like I said before, This has been going a long time with the insurance companies looking to get away from unisex rates. In fact, about an hour and a half ago, MassMutual released their list of these are the hospitals that are going to remain with exclusive discounts. They're no longer going to be gender neutral or unisex rates, but they're going to be discounted and they're going to remain exclusive. So you can almost think of this as like a no-fly zone list. So same type of thing is going to happen if someone needs to purchase a policy and it's at an institution that's got the exclusive discount, brokers like me and these agents can now work together once again. We could co-broker, think of it like real estate and selling a home, but the endorsed agent will be the one completing the application because they really own that discount. In other hospitals where they're not on the no-fly zone list, For residents and fellows, the discount is going to be a flat 20%, and it's going to stay like that. Now, some hospitals, believe it or not, that were not exclusive, 
had a discount that was higher than 20%. There's a bunch of them that had a 25% discount. So what happens? Well, the 25 is going to be reduced to 20. But if you were quoted 25, or if you're in an institution that had an open 25% discount, you can actually apply for that larger discount up until June 16th. So okay. this is what I would you know, really need to know is how do I maximize the largest discounts? How do I take advantage of all of these things? Mass mutual, this is not a change, but this is important. Active duty military physicians, resident physicians, resident dentists, uh, mass mutual has policies available for active duty. They all have a 25% permanent discount associated with them. The one exception is the state of New York, just based on the way that it's filed. So if I was an active duty resident or I was an active duty physician looking for coverage, Mass Mutual would be my first stop. And just know that there is a pretty hefty discount associated with the fact that you are active duty. And again, it is a permanent discount. Some people will say, you know what, I'm just going to wait until I separate from service before I purchase my policy. There's two things we need to know here, Tammy. The first one is if you wait too long and you're finishing your training and now you have orders overseas, like you are going to be uh, stationed in Okinawa, Japan, you are no longer going to be eligible for coverage. You know, On the application, they ask, are you going to be traveling or residing outside the United States within the next two years? And if you have orders and you know this to be the case and you disclose that, you are going to be declined. So I've had a couple of people recently in that situation and they all said, that's really terrible. I should have done this earlier in my training before I knew where I was going to be stationed. I think I really messed up. And the answer is, well, yes. So earlier in your career is better. The second one, and maybe I watched too much JAG or a few good men. But I picture when you're separating from service, thank you for your service doctor. You know, just remember if you had any medical conditions that were diagnosed during your time in the service, or they were exacerbated as a result of your time in the service, you, know, you can apply for a VA, Veteran Affairs Disability Rating. Mm -hmm. And in here, you could potentially receive payment for medical conditions or body parts that now have issues. Well, the problem is if you wait to apply for disability insurance until you're doing this and you're in the process of separating and you are applying for a VA disability rating, the insurance company is not going to offer you coverage until they know what your rating is and they know what conditions or body parts are being excluded. And rest assured, for the most part, any benefits that you're receiving from the VA are going to cause an exclusion rider on your individual policy for those body parts or for those conditions. And a good general rule is if you're applying for individual coverage and you're receiving four or more exclusion riders, we're just not going to offer coverage. And we feel bad, like we're taking a full premium, but we're really not insuring a lot of things that you have going on. So the key is you really want to buy and apply for this early before you develop these conditions. That way, if you subsequently develop the conditions and now you're applying for a VA disability rating, 
you're not going to walk away with a bunch of exclusion riders on your individual policy. The only thing that will happen, which makes sense, remember, if this bill insurance is logical, we're going to subtract out any monies that you're receiving from the VA off of the normal limit. So if we figured out your first job is going to be 225000 annually, you're not getting any disability insurance benefits from your future employer. You'd normally qualify for 10000 a month. You're getting a thousand a month from the VA. Well, now we'll go up to nine thousand, ten thousand minus the one that you're getting. So definitely important there. And our last one to round it out is one of my favorites, is a principal, you know, another well-known disability insurance company. And they've had the same policy series, you know, literally since 2009. They've also made some changes. They introduced a new policy series. It's in all of the same states that I talked about. So these non-compact states are still using the old product. That's your California, Florida, Montana, North Dakota, New York, South Carolina, South Dakota, Wyoming. Everybody else is changing over to the new policy series. And because principal had unisex rates for females for so long, they just took in a tremendous amount of female business. So what did they do? The actuaries went to work, they sharpened their pencil, and they're not as competitive as they used to be for female physicians. In some cases, they're actually more competitive for male physicians in the four category, in the five category, these are typically going to be your non-invasive, non-surgical physicians, but they can be surgical. So believe it or not, an otolaryngologist, a urologist, an ophthalmologist, you know, they're all receiving a non-surgical category. So what does this mean? This just means we're going to insure you as a surgeon if you're performing surgical duties, but we're going to charge you the premium rates of a non-surgeon. That's okay. a very good place to actually be. So typically when they come out with these classifications, anyone that's a four, whether they do surgery or they don't do surgery, they could be doing surgery all day, every day. They could be doing no surgery. They're paying the same premium rates. But remember, for the definition of total disability, we always look at what were they doing immediately prior to their disability. And that's how we're going to figure out what's going on. There's one thing that I don't particularly love in the new product. And, you know, this is definitely getting in the weeds, but I think it's important to know. So they have two increase options. They have an automatic increase rider. We call this the air rider. And what it says is, Tammy, look, you know, we want to make up for inflation. We want your coverage to stay in line with inflation. For the first 20 years or the age of 50 for the insured, whichever is earlier, we're going to increase their benefit by 3% compounded. So think of it, it's just like a 3% inflation adjustment. And when this happens, the premium for the insurance is going to go up slightly. So let's say you took a job right out of training. You went to a place that's got a significant amount of employer-provided group insurance. And it's taxable, but it's significant. It's 66 and two-thirds of your salary up to a maximum of $32,000 a month. 
So you could basically be making about $500,000 and your group insurance, you're pretty well insured. The only thing that's really happening is that the benefit is going to be taxable. So ideally, you'll have your own plan that's portable that is going to make up for the taxes. We'll just use an assumed 30% for your tax bracket if you leave that job. And ideally, you want to have an increase option that if you leave that job or the group insurance changes, you can take your own plan with you and you can make increases regardless of your health based on your new situation. Well, principal has a very large increase option that allows you to do this. They call it the Maximize Your Benefit Rider or the MYB. Now, in the past, the automatic increase option and the big increase option we're really separate from each other. And you might say, well, hey, Larry, I just got a letter about this increase option. It's going to happen automatically. You know my situation between my income and the group insurance coverage that I have and the policy I already own with you. Like, I'm pretty well insured. I don't really need any more coverage. Wouldn't you agree? Generally, I would say, I agree. Like, you're well insured. We're not looking to make you a walking moral hazard. You can decline the automatic increase option and you're fine. And under the old policy series, if you skip two automatic increases, then they would say, okay, we're going to remove the future benefit increase rider and we just won't give you any more automatic increases, but your big increase option will remain. In the new policy series, the automatic increase rider and the maximize your benefit rider are tied together. And if you skip two consecutive automatic increases, you're going to lose the maximize your benefit rider. So what does that mean? This means if you're in a situation that I just described, then you're very well insured. The truth is you don't really need any more. If you don't continue to buy more coverage using the automatic increase rider, at least every other year, because if you decline two in a row, not only is that gone, but your big increase option is gone. Now, let's say you leave this hospital and you're going to go work as a locum tenens physician and you're going to have no employer provided coverage. Now you're kind of out of luck and you're going to have to answer medical questions, go through another prescription drug check, possibly do an exam, blood and urine test to get back your increase option that you really needed if you left and you didn't really need to buy more coverage because you were so well insured between everything you had relative to your income. So the product is good. They made some nice enhancements to it. That is my one, almost like a landmine that you have to avoid stepping on. And just know that if you buy that policy, at least every other year, you have to accept an automatic increase or you're going to lose your maximize your benefit rider. Does that make sense? It does. Does that affect only people who buy new policies from here forward? Or does that apply to people who have policies that they bought five years ago? Yeah, it's only going to be for people that have the new policy series, which is called the income protector. If you see automatic increase rider and maximize your benefit rider, it's only going to impact those policies. The old policy series, which has the future benefit increase and the benefit update rider, which is still available you know, in those non-compact states, those are not affected at all. Okay. Well, good. But say as we kind of you know, like wrap up, 
let's just talk a little bit about what should be, you know, in a policy. So we'll kind of take a step backwards to a little bit more basics. We won't go into any great detail because that is, you know, kind of in that first show that we sure. were, you know, and we I can think that date, you know, at the end or put it up with the show notes. Before we do that, questions jumping out on your side. Anything else burning for you? Oh, I was going to direct us here too. I was going to talk about some of those things that get you to the denial that you want to avoid at all costs. And I was going to reference that show. I think October 17th is what we came up with before of 2022 to cover the basics and detail. Yes, that's exactly it. So what we really want to look for, and most of the policies are going to have this, is you want your policy to be both non-cancellable and guaranteed renewable. This just means the insurance company can't take it away. They can't change your premium rates. You can get rid of them. They can't get rid of you. Ideally, you want your policy to be own occupation. You know, some people will use the term own specialty. So the companies that do have that are going to be Emeritus, Berkshire, which is a guardian company, Mass Mutual, Standard, Principal, Ohio National, at least until the end of this month. Northwestern Mutual has reintroduced own occupation. So if you see that, that is definitely something to throw into the mix. New York Life also has own occupation coverage. So you can feel confident, you know, looking at their policy again. But again, you always want to look at the cost versus the benefits that are provided. You'd like to have a residual or a partial benefit. So since not all disabilities are total and prevent you from working as, say, a hospitalist, most disabilities are partial. Like where you have a condition, your doctor says, hey, Tammy, you know, you don't look great, but you don't look horrible. You could still work as a hospitalist. You just have to work fewer shifts per month, fewer hours per shift. And let's say this causes a loss of income. You need to add a loss of income component, which is called the residual disability or the partial disability benefit. You want to have some kind of an inflation adjustment or a cost of living adjustment rider. This is a post-disability benefit that'll increase your benefit after disability has lasted, typically a year. One of the companies makes available a four-year delay. So instead of kicking in after a year of disability, it kicks in after four years. And like we said, you really want to have some kind of an increase option to allow you to buy more coverage regardless of your health as your income rises or if your situation changes. Maybe you left that hospital that had a very large group insurance coverage and you're going into a private practice or now you're going into your own practice and you're working as an independent contractor. And the only other things to keep in your mind, and this is really going to be more on the medically underwritten side, is you know how are claims handled for mental or nervous conditions like anxiety, depression, stress, chemical dependency, drug addiction. You know, some companies make this available as an option. And if you don't have a medical history, you're not in therapy, you're not taking an SSRI, you don't have ADD, ADHD, you can actually apply for a policy that's got unlimited coverage. If you have a history of those things, you're likely going to get an exclusion rider for those conditions. And like we said earlier, in a guaranteed standard issue plan, even if you have a pre-existing condition, someone like Guardian's plan would have no pre-existing condition limitation, or someone like Standard or Emeritus, after you own that policy for a year, would even cover those pre-existing conditions without a problem. You know, so 
like everything else, you really want to do the homework up front. I can tell you, if you can do medicine, you can do disability insurance. If I told you, you know, you can only prescribe six drugs, I would imagine you're going to know an approximate idea of the cost. You know, what's the difference between a generic or a name brand? You know, what are the side effects? Which ones work better for one type of patient versus another? And financial planning or disability insurance is really no different than medicine in this respect. You know, the one thing that cannot be replicated happens to be experience. And I'll leave you, Tammy, with this kind of parting thought, unless you've got other questions jumping out, is unlike buying a car, where you could say, I've tested the car, I like the car, but I got to tell you, I'm ready to walk out of the dealership unless you give me a better price. Disability insurance policies, the language and the premium rates are regulated by each state's insurance department. One agent cannot necessarily beat out another agent in terms of pricing. If we structure the policies the same way and we have access to the same discounts or the same GSI plans, the premium rate is not going to be any different. So where I think talking to different agents, asking about their level of experience, trying to get an idea of how well do they know your occupation, how well do they understand your industry, is all good. If you found someone that you think that you like and your personality and their personality are gelling, there really is no reason to reach out to five, six, seven, ten different agents because really we're all going to come back with the same thing unless a discount is exclusive or unless it's a guaranteed standard issue plan and the endorsed agent you know, is not willing to allow other agents to write that plan. Other than that, it's kind of like an iPhone. It, the price is the price. It's not going to be any different. You don't need to negotiate. You don't need to say you're going to walk out of the dealership. Like You're going to get what it is that you're going to get at the price you should be getting it at. Is it typical for insurance, disability insurance agents like yourself to refer back to those people that do have the access to discount programs if you don't? I would say in the ideal world, yes. Unlike medicine, you know, where you've got the Hippocratic Oath and everyone's working for the good of their patient. I don't know. In the insurance agents, sometimes it's they just don't know what they don't know. You know, they're not in the industry long enough. They're not that well connected. They don't know that something is exclusive. They don't know that a GSI plan, you know, even exists. You know, like I said before, if you've got any inclination that your medical history is less than stellar, or even if you think it is, secure the GSI plan first, because once you have it, it's locked in and then you can do all the research that you want. You can kind of, I hate to use this term, shop all you want. And if you can do better, you can always replace the GSI plan. But if you're declined or in a lot of cases offered a modified policy where there's a guardian GSI plan, you might've shot yourself in the foot. And I have some people that have reached out and unfortunately they are now uninsurable they cannot qualify for an individual disability insurance policy, even though there was a GSI plan sitting, waiting for them that could have easily been accessed. That's really unfortunate when that happens. 
Yes, that is like a, a shot to my heart. Because, you know, first and foremost, I say it's all about the greater good, you know, of the client. And a lot of times I don't know who to fault. You know, sometimes it's the client because they don't understand the difference between probability underwriting, like what the insurance company's underwriter is looking for, and medical management. Like medical management is my doctor says I'm fine. I'm a doctor. I believe my doctor. I'm fine. Yes, that's true. The odds are pretty good. You're not going to have an issue. But statistically speaking, the probability is that you might have an issue and we're in the risk business and we do statistical analysis and we need to take this into consideration differently than you and your physician might be as medical professionals. That makes sense. Well, if anyone wanted to reach out to you, Larry, how would they get in touch with you? So email is great. It's lkeller, L-K-E-L-L-E-R, at physician, no S on the end, financial services, all spelled out, dot com. They can always call 516-677-6211. And even if you're just looking at something or you're considering making a change, feel free to use me as a resource. I can probably re review what you sent me in 30 seconds where it might be something that you are literally agonizing over for hours just because it's not what you see on a daily basis. And you help people in every state, right? Yes, I am licensed in all states, some places where I would never knowingly go to, other ones where I would happily go to. So no problem at all. It does not matter you know, where you're residing or where I am residing. Sounds good. Well, thanks for being on the show with me again, Larry. You're always such a wealth of information. Awesome. I greatly appreciate your time. Thanks again for having me. Have a great day, folks. Thanks so much. And I hope you'll all join me again next week for Grand Rounds. Material discussed is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Optional riders are available for an additional premium. Some policy benefits and features are not available to all occupation. Lawrence B. Keller is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, 355 Lexington Avenue, North Floor, New York, New York, 10017-6603, phone 212-541-8800. Securities products and advisory services are offered through PAS. Phone number 516-677-6200. Financial representative, the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York, Guardian. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Physician Financial Services is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas, insurance license number 1057229. California, insurance license 0C37340. PAS is a member FINRA SIPC 2023 154517 expires 4 2025